I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend update for the week ending October 11, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Big day on Friday, big day to close the week, a whole lot more than I thought we would get in one day. However, just to backtrack a little bit, this was not unexpected. Nobody here should be surprised we were looking for the completion of an ABC pattern. Let me just rephrase that one more time so everybody's on the same page. We have the A leg, which is the up from the bottom at 285. We have the pullback that looked like everybody was saying, hey, we're going to make new lows. All of a sudden, the market stops short. We start back up. We're talking about an ABC pattern completing above the high of the A leg. And here we are completing on Friday above the high of the A leg. So there you have it. We were looking for it and we got it. That's fine. Now what's next? How do we interpret it? What is it telling us? What does it mean? There's a couple of things. There's actually more than a couple of things on this chart. And there's some things on other charts. We're going to go through all of them. Let's start right here with what we have. So we made a test of the breakdown candle high. They actually spiked through it by a little bit. What am I referring to? The breakdown candle high here, we talked about it on Thursday, we talked about it on Wednesday, we talked about it multiple times. Inside the numbers, members had a beat on it. I can't tell you how many traders went short at that breakdown candle high. My inbox looked like it was from 4th of July with fireworks going off from all the traders that shorted at the breakdown candle high. Now, I don't know how many took profit. I know some of them did. I know some of them took a quick profit because we got a nice decline into the end of the day off that sell. So therefore, those traders that did take some off the table in one day have basically what we call a free ride. Now, let's talk about whether it is going to be a free ride all the way down or are we going to be tortured up in this neck of the woods. Let's go over what we have, what's on the chart, what does it look like? More importantly than what does it look like from a visual perspective, what is the data telling us? What did the actual data that happened on Friday, what does that tell us? What is it feeding back to us? A, we had a huge up day. We tested the breakdown candle high and were rejected from the breakdown candle high. A, or I guess B in this case, mission accomplished and the rejection is expected. We're not going to just waltz through the breakdown candle high. It doesn't work like that. What did inside the numbers get right on the nose at 930? They can probe and spike this general area for a while, but blowing right through would not be the norm. Keep the important numbers up above in your sights, wide swings in both directions. Just preparing for the day at the opening bell. Why do I do that? Why do I say that they can probe, spike, do whatever they want up in that general neck of the woods, but under normal market conditions, garden variety, I should say, market conditions, they're not going to just waltz right through there. Why do I say that right at the opening bell? What if I'm wrong? I certainly could be wrong, but here again, under normal garden variety conditions, it's the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule says the majority of the time, they're not going to just waltz right through that area. However, 
at the time when everybody is on the bull side. The television, the market is going higher, you're looking at trading activity and you're saying, well, the market's not going to just collapse from here. I'm missing the boat. I've got FOMO working in my brain. What's FOMO? Fear of missing out. When it feels really, really wrong, it's generally right. What felt wrong at the time to most traders under the sun? Shorting the level at the breakdown candle high. Why is that? Most traders don't understand there's a breakdown candle high where under normal market conditions, the market's not going to just keep going. Most traders are looking at a short-term chart like this. Here's a five-minute chart, and all they see is the market going up almost every single candle with minor exception. It doesn't look like there's going to be anything stopping the market anytime soon. What's the price all the way up here? Well, let's find out. Here we go. The price all the way up there was 298.74. What happens when we go back to the daily chart? What's the high of the breakdown candle? 298.46. They spiked it by a little bit and immediately backed off. That's going to happen more times than not. Way more times than not. Okay, so they did the thing where they make the ABC pattern. They spike the breakdown candle high. They close with a tail candle. And by the way, we talked about this on Thursday. It was on time. Time is more important than price. How many times do I have to say that? So here's what we had working in our favor. And everything here is right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. We had time on our side. They put in a sign or signal of a trend change. This is right out of the course. There's many of them. This is one of them. They get up to and spike by a little bit the breakdown candle high, which is our area where we take the trade close to risk. Where's risk? At the breakdown candle high. When's the last time we discussed this? On Thursday. Why did many traders take the short at the breakdown candle high? Because we discussed it on Thursday. Okay, fair enough. Now, going forward, what do we have on the table? Is the market just going to fall out of bed or are they going to subcontract to Trick and Company or also known as Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew? And are they going to try and torture the traders that are short? Now, we got a couple of things going on. We know I'm short. I was already short with 25% left of the original position that was taken at the highs or near the highs. And guess what? I put some of it, not all of it, but some of it back on where? Before and then at the breakdown candle high. I didn't actually think we were going to get there all in one shot, but we did. And we know what I think, what you think, what someone else thinks doesn't matter. The market is what the market price is the absolute. We're not in the guessing business, but I'm in the scaling in business in these type of situations. So I'm okay with buying a put or multiple puts at certain prices, meaning various prices along the way. So what did I do? I averaged in a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, why didn't I go in full bore? Why don't I have back on the full position or even double down? Let me explain a couple of things. We have to always look at both sides of the market. You need to be an umpire. Let's put into context the type of day we had on Friday. Could it be a finishing move? Yes, it could. The other side of the coin is, could it also be, and it's a could, could it also be the beginning of another move? And the beginning would have really started at 285, but could this be institutional participation on the upside? 
we had 101 million shares against an average daily volume of less than 80 million shares. So certainly there was participation on the upside. Was it short covering only? I don't think so. There was some buying going on on Friday. That's an opinion. I don't know that for a fact. I certainly would hang my hat on the short covering panic buying scenario, but whether or not there was some institutional purchasing going on remains an open question. Why am I coming up with that? Well, look where we are in the chart. Once again, we have to take the market for what it is visually. What's it telling us? What's the picture that it's painting? Well, it's painting a couple of pictures, and that's the reason I have to go down this path. In one shot, the market jumps up and gaps over the 20-period moving average, spikes the breakdown candle high, and comes down. Fair enough, it puts in what looks like to be some kind of a topping signal. That's fine. We'll take it at face value. But when I look at the volume, and I look at the fact that not just did they trade through the 20-period moving average, but they gapped above the 20-period moving average, I have to scratch my head a little bit and say that leaves a little bit to wonder. Do we really need to go over the whole China Kabuki Theater situation? Not really. We know there's a deal. There's phase one all of a sudden, phase two and three to come later. I think it's all nonsense. I don't think China's buying whatever Trump said they're buying in terms of agriculture. Nobody's going from 16 billion to 50 billion or 8 it billion to matter. 40 billion. All whatever that matters is everybody knows it's just a bunch of puffery. How the market you have to always what take the market these things with a grain of salt. Whatever it's China like says they're buying, they're never going to buy that much. Earnings it doesn't really all of a matter. Sudden, the stock nobody's going to track it. Nobody's coming back in 12 months to say let's get an accounting of what's going on. They say, well, everybody was pouring through the report and they realized X, Y, and Z. Nobody poured through the report. Nobody reads the reports. Everybody's reacting to what the market's doing and they're interpreting the market reaction and then making up information along the way about what the earnings report says. Let's get something straight. The earnings report is how many pages? I don't know, 175, 300, whatever it is. Okay, nobody poured through the report in 30 minutes. Nobody can decipher any of those numbers in 30 minutes. They look for two numbers that are flashed on the screen. The earnings report or the price per earnings per share, the total revenue, the net revenue, all those things. Profit before tax, profit after tax, those are the numbers they're looking at. All the other stuff, they're just making it up as they go along. Back to the point. The point is, it's about how the market reacts. The rest of the stuff, you can sweep it under the rug. It makes no difference. So here's the drill. Getting back to the daily chart. Short against Friday's high is the play. You can be short against Friday's high. Any daily close against Friday's high, and you have to just pitch the position and wait for the market to indicate something different. That's the proper way to play it. If you don't do that and the market continues trading higher, it's going to trade higher in your face. We're above all the moving averages. Technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with the market. We know, I know, you know, several other people know, we're at a critical area in the market. But if they start trading through this area, they're going higher. You need to know that. You need to know both sides of the market. Can they trade through this area? Anything can happen. Likewise, can you be short against Friday's high? Yeah, that's a reasonable trade. That's a trade setup. It's not going to work 100% of the time, but it's going to work the majority of the time if you took the trade near or in the vicinity of Friday's highs as most traders did. Now let's go on because we have other stuff. 
Let's go down and we'll work our way from a 15-minute chart back upward. So when you look at a 15-minute chart, you can see the last half an hour of the day was basically a give a lot back type of half an hour. So they went all the way down to the opening range low. So there's a couple of things going on here. The opening range low is 296.24. The close of the day is 296.27. The official close on the daily chart, 296.28, but here, 296.27, and you can see either way, we're above the opening range low. Any accident or coincidence with that? Absolutely not. You can see how they tested it early in the day. It was trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew bonanza when they came to test that in the middle of the day and immediately had a rocket ride off that. That's untradeable. Nobody can trade that. It's impossible. You're either in a trade and get lucky, have a standing order for some reason down at the opening range low and get the benefit of the rocket ride, or you're a spectator and just snickering because how are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Who's doing that? Well, we know the answer to who's doing that. It's the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. No question in my mind. It's five guys in a room. I am just kidding. It's not five guys in a room. I say all that stuff tongue-in-cheek. Now, when you look at the other intraday charts, for example, the hourly chart, you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see that they just came back to run down to the opening range low again for the second time that day. What else do we notice? We have to look at this because you have to recognize what's going on. We have a big up day, so we have the flagpole, and we essentially have a bull flag pattern until and unless price comes back down to the base of the flagpole or what? The breakout area, which is somewhere down here, which is also what? A gap. You see how this always all comes together? We can look at both sides of the market, and if they're going in one direction, we have a pretty damn good idea what's going on. If they're going in the other direction, we have a pretty good idea what's going on. That's why I can say that they can trick me, they can fool me, they can trap me here and there. But under normal garden variety market conditions from where I sit, I'm not going to get tricked too often, and I'm not going to get tricked twice in a row under normal garden variety market conditions. How does that benefit anybody else? Well, it does because I can transfer that to inside the numbers members and I do transfer that to inside the numbers members. Here's one of those transfers for inside the numbers members. CrowdStrike, 58.31 was the buy price. It was given out in stocks on the move section. The stock was getting a haircut at the open, came into that price, bantered back and forth for a while, then took off to the upside. That happens almost every day. We certainly don't win every trade, but we win about 80% of the time. It's not quite 80, but it's higher than 75% of the time. The trades are winning trades. All right, back to around the horn. I threw you a couple of short hops. I have to keep you on your toes. How about a different look? What if I look at a 240-minute chart and I say, what's going on here? Wow, market had a huge up day, and then it just basically pulled back, but it closed still within that upper range of the day. Now, when I'm looking at that chart, not knowing any additional information, not really considering the breakdown candle high and the 297 and all that stuff. By the way, 297 is still important. I'm going to go prove that in a minute. I forgot. But staying on the 240, so the bottom line is, is we have to recognize that there's nothing that says the market has to immediately come back down. 
We need to understand that. We need to recognize that. We never impose our will on the market. We just take the market for what it is. We use our common sense market analysis. 297. Again, we're throwing the ball around the horn. Here's back to a 15-minute chart. Now, look what happened on the first 15-minute candle of the day. Where did it close? It closed at 297.02. I found that interesting. I found it not a coincidence. I don't know whether or what the importance of 15 minutes was on that day, on Friday. However, I noted it. I noticed it. I put it inside the numbers. Here's an example. Right at 945, I was watching this. I'm looking at 297, just noticing something. Remember SPY 297, the first 15-minute candle of the day, closed above by two cents. Can't say it means anything. Can't help but notice no accidents or coincidences. Could be the tip-off for higher price tags. Maybe just saying for now. So I'm already on that beat. I'm already thinking we're just going to trade higher, period, full stop. And from that point, basically the S&P traded about, I think, 16 or 17 handles higher from that 297. We went up to a high of 298.74. So that's $1.74 in the SPY, translating to about 17 S&P handles. Every day, I'm going to notice different things happening in the market. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to translate that information to inside the numbers members so they have as much ammunition and the best possible ammunition I can provide to be successful in the market. That's the goal. That's the bottom line, period, full stop. Let's check out Camp IWM. We've got interesting stuff on this chart, no question about it. So let's look at the top side. So the top side is exactly where we discussed. We discussed even higher than we discussed. We originally discussed, I think on Thursday, the 50 period moving average. But look where we went to, right into the convergence of the moving averages up above, which is the 100, 20, and 200. So we closed back down below all moving averages. A, that's not necessarily a bucket of strength. That's number one. But number two, look what else we have on the chart. It looks like they filled a gap down below. What am I talking about? Down here. I'm not the only one that saw this. I actually got a bunch of emails on this topic and it's obviously worth mentioning. What is that? We've seen that before. Let's go through it a little bit. Did the market actually trade down there? Did the IWM trade down to what shows to be a low of 147.69? Well, there's one way to find out. Let's go to an intraday chart and find out. Is there anything down at 147.69? Absolutely not. That's where the gap was. Look at the opening range low. It traded nowhere near that number. So what's going on? What is that? We've seen it before in the SPY. I don't recall seeing it too many times in the IWM. Probably have, just don't recall. But what it is, is some kind of an erroneous print on the chart. So there wasn't a trade that went off down there. The market didn't trade down there. Why does the daily chart show that? And watch this. By Monday or maybe Tuesday or maybe even before the open on Monday, that number or that tail candle down to fill that gap will disappear. It doesn't happen all the time, but most of the time it will actually disappear. So what do we do with this? We do two things. A, we put it right in the bucket of shenanigans. And B, we put it on a sticky note and we pay attention because if the market starts trading lower, Monday or Tuesday or whenever it is, we know that they're going to go for the gap. 
They're going to go for the gap in the IWM. They're going to go for the gap in the SPY. They're going for all the gaps. That's because that's the type of market we have right now. We just had a big gap higher. But sometimes you'll see these when there wasn't just a big gap higher and they'll be going to some gap that didn't necessarily just happen yesterday. They don't always go to a gap, but I found that a lot of times they do go to a gap. So it's somewhat of a convenience. It's interesting. Let's talk further about what we have in Camp IWM. First of all, we know Camp IWM is my favorite market leading indicator, bar none. Look where it is on the chart as compared to the SPY. Once again, we'll do this. We'll go back to the SPY. All of a sudden, we're above all the moving averages on the SPY. In fact, let's do this because we have to do this. It's the weekly chart. We've closed the week. So is there anything technically wrong on this chart? The answer is absolutely not. We're above all the moving averages. We've basically had a pullback over the course of the last five weeks We came down to test 285, never even made it to the 50-period moving average. Is that bullish or bearish? Looking at this chart based on the output, meaning the data the chart is telling us, there's nothing bearish on this chart. Where's the breakdown candle low on the weekly chart? We talked about this a number of times. It's right here. We came down to test it twice, two weeks in a row. They bounced off of that area. That's not bearish. That's bullish. Doesn't mean the market can't come down. We're just looking at the weekly chart, giving you the $2 tour inside my head based on the weekly chart. Nothing more, nothing less. We know the other side. The other side is if we begin trading lower and we come down below last week's low, we're probably going a whole lot lower. But right now, we don't have that. So what we do have, we're talking about. Back to Camp IWM. So we're in a weaker position in the IWM. It's of note. It's certainly a puzzle piece. It's on the table. What about down at the transportation department? This is my second favorite leading indicator, and we had something on Thursday that we noted. It was a puzzle piece. We put it on the table. We finished at the highs on a very strong day. After filling a gap, the transports were leading the other markets, meaning they were ahead of the game in the other markets. Look at the type of day the transports had. They were up about two and a quarter percent, 225 points. Pretty remarkable move for the transports. Now, this is interesting. They didn't quite get to their breakdown candle high, so they may have more to go on the upside. They got into the convergence of all these moving averages, but guess what? They closed basically slightly above those moving averages. That's the 2200 and 100. The 50 is the one down below. Is this bullish or bearish? The chart was bearish on close on friday it's trying to turn up to bullish one day does not change a trend but we have to note this it's a puzzle piece it's on the table i'm going to say something that i really don't say much but it's worth saying because it's important information because we have history on our side i tell you not to pay attention to the news i tell you not to pay attention to what the fed is saying and all that stuff I tell you to pay attention to what the Fed is doing, that's for sure. Not what they're saying, but what they're doing. But this time, I want you to pay attention to both. The Fed is pumping money in the market. We believe we know the underlying reason is trouble somewhere. However, in the midst of all that, until the trouble is uncovered, the Fed will continue pumping money into the market, whether they want to call it QE, whether the media wants to call it QE light, 
whether they want to call it Operation Whatever. I don't really care what they call it. We have to be aware of the fact that fighting the Fed is not necessarily the best trade on the board. Another short hop, while we're on that topic, let's go back to the SPY and have that discussion. Don't fight the Fed. You can trade against the Friday high, close above that high, and you have to pitch the position, don't fight the Fed. That's the stance we're going to take. We're going to take it one step at a time, one candlestick at a time. Under normal garden variety market conditions, should the market be coming down? Should we have a further corrective move? The answer is yes, but we've been here before and fighting the Fed doesn't work sometimes. Understand that. The Fed has more money than you and I do. What does that mean? Well, it means like this. Do you want to short Apple if you know that Goldman Sachs and Fidelity are building positions in Apple? They're buyers. No, you don't want to fight Goldman Sachs and Fidelity building positions in Apple. You don't want to be short Apple under those conditions. Just use common sense market analysis, period, full stop. Manage your trade, manage your position, manage your money accordingly. This isn't gambling. This is a business. Remember the cues? Remember that trend line? Guess what? We're taking the trend line off. They gapped above it. The trend line is no longer valid. So we have to recognize that. This is something I discuss quite frequently. There's going to be energy released in this market. If that trend line was here and the energy was going to be released to the downside and that's a failure and we jumped over the trend line and we just closed all the way up here, is that same energy going the other direction? We don't know yet. It's possible. I'm not trying to hedge my bet. I have the short position. You already know about that. I want it to work out. I have to be realistic about what the market is telling me. I'm looking at a lot of different charts and I see conflicting information. I have to bring it to the forefront. I'm bringing it to your attention. Don't shoot the messenger. The XLF. Are the financials telling us anything different, anything specific than the rest of the market is telling us? Not really. It hasn't got to the breakdown candle high. It's about on top of or slightly below the 20 period moving average spiked it closed below so that's not really a strong close for the financials so you see what happens we look at different charts we look at different markets and we have different stuff we have divergences we have conflicting information watch this remember the opening range low from the other chart remember the opening range low from the spy chart look at the xlf we closed below the opening range low that's a big deal that's a different story is the XLF or the financials trying to tell us something entirely different? We don't know yet. We have another puzzle piece. We put it on the table. As we begin to assemble the different pieces to the puzzle, the picture starts to emerge. The divergences start to disappear as time goes on. What this is, is the market never makes it easy. The trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew never makes it easy for you to just say, oh, here's the obvious trade, let's hop on board and make a fortune. It doesn't work that way. But this is definitely worth noting. It's definitely worth something. Just like in the other chart, in the SPY chart, they had every opportunity if they chose to close above the opening range low. They chose to close below it. Who's putting that information on a piece of paper other than me? How about the SMH? Here's an interesting one. We talked about this a number of times. We said, this is a bullish chart. We have to recognize that this is bullish. It could certainly collapse, but this is bullish. This was a bull flag pattern. Any way you wanted to look at it, this was telling us 
that under normal market conditions, this goes higher. Well, guess what? That went higher. We're above all the moving averages, but what did they do? They spiked the high and closed below the high, putting in what I like to call a pseudo-doji candle. What do we do with that? Well, here's what I do with that. I recognize we're above all the moving averages, and there's nothing bearish on this chart. Are we going to, under normal conditions, just blow through the top and continue on? Normally, we don't. That's why we found a pullback when we spiked the high. What about volume? How do we interpret volume? Two ways. A, it was good volume, 8.5 million shares against an average daily volume, and that's a 90-day average of about 5.2 million shares. Tells us one of two things in the position the chart's in now. Either it was a finishing move or there's real buyers under there and prices going higher. How do we know one way or the other? Again, it was Friday's high. That's the simple part of the equation. You could be short the SMH against Friday's high. Conversely, if we begin trading, closing hourly above Friday's high and then closing daily above Friday's high, you don't want to be on the short side of that trade. Don't stand in front of a freight train. The freight train doesn't even know you're there. They don't slow down. Over the next trading session, two, three, we'll get a sense for whether or not we saw a top on Friday or not. What I'm doing here is, based on Friday's activity, this is the best effort. We're going to get more information on all these charts as the days go forward. We can't help, we have no choice but to take it one step at a time. I'll leave you with this one. This is the weekly chart of the SMH. Is there anything bearish on this chart? Absolutely not. No chance, no way, no how. This is in a very strong uptrend. Uptrends end at some point in time. We all recognize that. But just looking at this chart, the weekly chart, today, it's bullish. It's in an uptrend, period, full stop. And that, my friends, is the perfect place to pull the ripcord. I'm out of wind. I want to thank each and every one of you. I appreciate each and every one of you very much. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.